Alright UFC fans, two of the sport's most respected fighters stepped back in the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 79 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Actually, I'm recording this episode as I usually do on Friday. Um, and as I'm as I'm speaking right now, I realized it was the Super Bowl. Um, yes, well, who you got in the Super Bowl? I said, I hate to be the square guy, but I've, I kind of, I would be putting my... Putting my money on Kansas City. I think the last time I looked, they were three and a half. Um, but man, Tom Brady, 43, back in the big show with Tampa Bay. I think a lot of people had written him off at the start when he signed there. Um, yeah, what can you say? The dude's got six rings, and, uh, you know, I know there's lots of haters out there, and I mean, whatever, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, proof's in the pudding. So, yeah, uh, man, it would be something if he pulled this one off. Again, Tampa Bay's got a stacked team, though. I mean, you look at the offense; the defense is tight. I mean, it's not out of the realm, right? Well, clearly not. They're in the they're in the final. Um, but uh, I know when he initially signed with Tampa, I kind of well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, you know, and they had some a couple rough start rough start there. But boy, and I mean, I've watched uh, not that I've watched every Tampa game or anything. The few I've watched. Brady's, eh, Brady's looked so-so at times. He's looked all right, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't bet against him going into the big game. Like, if Tampa if Tampa Bay wins this game, wouldn't be, oh, really? You know, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, we're not here to talk football. We're here to talk some hockey. Some uh, slappy puck, punchy punch. All right, so, uh, well... I think today's episode, um, I I actually had a few people talking to me about this that Tony the Tony D'Angelo thing. Um, it'll not so much. I think uh, it's more of a that incident was uh, beside beyond all that. One of the stories 
uh, or one of the things surrounding it again, again, of course, was uh, social media and vlogs and the idiocy that is that medium. And uh, it was on full spotlight in this in this uh, in this whole debacle. Um, and I'll be talking about that. It's you know I've talked about it on here before, uh, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, full masks in the NHL. What? Yeah. Well, had that oddly enough, I had that debate a few times this week. Um, HockeyFights.com and their top twenty WHL fights of all time. And I was cleaning out uh, a box here. I shouldn't say, I, yeah, I was cleaning it out because, um, you know, we're, we're planning on moving here in this, or at least selling the con, putting our condo up for sale here in the spring. So we're, I'm, you can't see me, I'm doing air quotes. I've been cleaning up. Yeah. Th- that usually lasts for about seven minutes. Then I find something, get, dis- get distracted and I end up, uh, sitting, sitting on the floor, sorting things or reading magazines, which totally happened to me while I was cleaning out this Rubbermaid tub. Um, I thought, and I knew I had them somewhere, but I actually thought they were, I have a lot of shit buried in boxes underneath my stairs in my parents' house, um, cause we didn't have room for my things when I moved in here. Um, but that's why we need a house. We're looking at a house here. This, I'll tell you, I will say this to you, uh, you folks, when we get to our house and I get, that way I can get all my shit out and on display and, uh, sorted and out of boxes, I, I'll do a video tour of, uh, of what of my setup because I got some pretty cool shit, um, yeah. Now what the hell was I saying? I'm rambling here. Oh yeah, so I was cleaning out this Rubbermaid tub and I came across the old Tough Guy magazines. Um, like I said, I knew I had them, but uh, so I was glad to find them. And uh, the one I was reading has got Grimson on the front, and um, of course the aforementioned Joe Lazito was a big contributor back in the day uh, in writing these articles and. Uh, and, and, fall, and involved in this magazine and uh, in this magazine is the 98 every year they would rank the top fighters so this, uh, we'll go through Joe's top 25 of the uh, from the 98-99 season so I guess it would be the top guys going into the 99-2000 season is that how we're going to word it? at any rate it, it's the top fighters from the 98-99 season top 25 so that sounds so... I'm just realizing as I'm saying it, the top 25 fighters of 98-99. There isn't even 25 guys that fight in the NHL anymore. But here And here we are ranking them with like, you know, 100 other ones that could have been in here. Yeah, it's just yeah, how things have changed. But, um, yeah, so we'll do all that. I was just looking at this magazine, though. Mine's so beat up and the cover's almost ripped off. And We had talked... Somebody had put these up on Twitter the other day. And, uh... Oh, and I think there was about—I think there were six six magazines in total. I have them all except the very first one. The very first one had Probert and stuff on the cover. I never had that one, but I had every other one. And uh, oh, mine are all—I have them all here and stuff. Um, but oh, they're all ripped up and just yeah, pisses me off. And anyway, this guy's picture—they were all perfect and pristine. I'm like, son of a bitch, why didn't I wish I had done that? But. Um, and the really cool thing about these magazines at the time was, uh, of course, they had, like, the color pictures and um, fight pictures and stuff. So, um, you know, again, it's 2000, late 90s. There's no internet. Well, there is internet, you know, dial-up or whatever. But, I mean, to find color fight pictures of Rocky Thompson and Stu Grimson and stuff was like, yeah, good luck. You're not going to find those. So, um, yeah, so 
you know, mine were all cut up and hung in lockers. And I think actually I got a couple of them autographed, a few of them were, so, I mean, I know I got uh, Mackenzie's picture autographed, McSorley's picture autographed that were in these magazines. So, of course, they're all ripped up and stuff. But uh, anyway. Yes. Well, let's get at it. Well, like I said, this is episode 79. So please the uh, go back and check out the back catalog. Um, every Wednesday around here is interview day. And then every Sunday is whatever this is. Uh, sticks on the wall Sundays. Um, but the last episode I released was with Devin Frankon. Um, the Red Deer Rebels alumni and uh, 2001 Memorial Cup champion. And uh, a really interesting um, hockey journey in the sense. Um, started with Red Deer, ended up, played a, played a while in Melfort, the Mustangs for a little bit of the year. Ended up in, in the Ontario Hockey League for four or five games. Come back to, you know, was in Regina, then went back to Red Deer. Um, and Which is really rare. Usually when a team lets you go, that, you know, it's, smell you later right you're you're never heard from again but he he ended up going back to red deer and uh and wins a memorial cup with him you know the biggest uh, trophy you can win in junior hockey so um really unusual uh journey and uh no it was it was fun to sit down with devin and uh we had talked on here for a while um about him coming on and uh so it was nice to finally get him on the show and uh and of course before that was my two part two parter um with wade brookbank um you know definitely NHL heavyweight enforcer and, and another guy who took the long road to the show and um, an SGA guy played for Melville and then um, went on and played with the Oklahoma Blazers and then the IHL and then, you know, and AHL uh, and then finally the NHL. And yeah, I mean, a definitely undrafted long road and um, a lot of fun to talk to. So uh, yeah, those, and then besides that, um, other episodes, like uh, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, um, J- Jeremy Thompson, uh, Frank Kovacs, Roman Volpat, Clark Wilm, on and on. Uh, talked to lots of great guys on here. Um, yeah, and uh, as well as fight fans. You know, Steve over at uh, whenprobertwasking.com. Um, Drew, Drew Pelto um, was a former announcer uh, in the NAHL with the Wichita Falls Wildcats. And, uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Cause I was, again, that was, a, uh, down in the States, that, that's a junior league that I didn't really know anything about. So it was fun to sit with Drew, uh, for a couple hours and hear stories. So yeah, you'll find all that stuff on here. And, uh, yeah. So again, I highly encourage you to go back and check out the back catalog. Um, like I said, I'm on the hockey podcast network. Um, about 40 other shows on the network. All the NHL teams are represented. Um, so whatever team you're a fan of, uh, there's a show for you. And, um, yeah, definitely check those out. Um, I'm on the original creator side of, of the network. Myself, Terry Ryan, Brad Lieb. Um, yeah, so lot, lots of things happen, of course, with the season going on. The network's in full swing. Lots of episodes coming out all the time. Um, yeah, and then for my off-network friends, of course, I got... Uh, you know, the, as I was saying with Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, um, oh, sorry, I got to something, out of the side corner of my eye of the window, something flashed by, I was like, what? But, um, uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, it does, it's an Islander, uh, enforcer podcast. He's had Mick Fakota on, Eric Bolton, Jason Strudwig, Aaron Asham, lots of great guests. And, uh, and Joe's really thorough, turns over every stone, um, 
really breaks down a guy's career. I really enjoy listening to Joe's show. Uh, his last player interview was with Ray Schultz, you know, an old dub boy there. So that's always cool. I always like hearing the old WHL stories. And, um, yeah, Joe does a great job. Um, I just got another package from Joe. Opened it up. More pictures, if you can believe it. Um, if uh, Well, if anybody, what am I talking about? Well, Joe had sent me uh, a package that had, like, hundreds of pictures uh, from his old... Uh, that he's collected over the years. And of course, Joe uh, worked for a hockey card, Fleer hockey card company. So I'm sure he probably got a lot of pictures from there. And of course, working with the tough guy magazines, blah, blah, blah. Joe's been around all that stuff and the Getty images and Bruce Bennett and all that. Um, so he had a ton of extra photos lying around, which he sent me, which is very nice to send me. And, um, yeah, lots of cool old stuff. Uh, even some old IHLs, the Rhett Trombley with the thunder and shit. It was, there was awesome. I was just a pig and shit going through the box. I think the old poor mailman was hunchback after carrying it. It was heavy as shit. Um, but uh, between that and, uh, and yeah, Joe, Joe's been great sending me stuff. I haven't forgotten about you, Joe. I know I keep saying I'm going to send you stuff. I'm, it's uh, I will definitely do that. I have it written right here. I got some things planned. I got some things planned for Joe. Um, so I'll definitely, I'll definitely hook you up, man, but I appreciate it, and Joe's a great dude, and, uh, yes, but, uh, yeah, Coliseum Chronicles, great show, actually, Joe's recent, uh, episode, he likes to break down seasons, and, uh, he just takes a, uh, a specific season in a guy's career, uh, talks about the fights from that year, what, you know, what, there was a story around the fight, blah, 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 breaks the fight down, and, uh, yeah, and it's just a, a real, kind of a, a real microscope look at a guy at a, when you pinpoint a certain season in a guy's career. And, um, and the latest one was, uh, with Brett Gallant's 2014, 15 season. And, um, uh, I'm assuming everyone that's listening to this show knows who Brett Gallant is. If you don't first pick up a hammer, hit yourself with it. Cause clue in, and then go to YouTube and check and type in Brett Gallant. You'll be entertained for hours. And after that, just erase the Brett part and put Alex, and look up Alex Gallant's fights, and you will be entertained for another hour. And uh, that's a, that is a definitely a tough family, and uh, lots of fun watching those guys tilt. Also, Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast been a little dormant lately. I do know he. I I swear to you, folks, he has an interview done. In fact, he might even be doing some more interviews coming up here. Um, but he will definitely be releasing those. Um, he's just you know life is getting in the way, right? He's uh, working on a job, busy job site right now. Um, of course, he got married and moved and all that stuff. So podcasting has definitely been on the back burner, um, obviously. Um, but I know he has an interview finished. So, yeah, they'll be coming out. And, I've, I mean, you know, and I've talked to him. And and, uh, and it's tough, guys, I'm telling you. I mean, I've talked about here on this on this topic numerous times on this show. Um, yeah, you, you just run out of gas sometimes. And, uh, you know, your enthusiasm just isn't there for it. And, uh yeah, and you need something to kick back, kickstart yourself sometimes, and uh, so I definitely get what he's kind of going through, and um, yeah, but he'll be back. But uh, and then uh, Fred and Dave over at the Slewfoot Hockey Show, um, and Paul, Dan, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck Show, two current shows. They watch hockey, so I don't have to, and I like those people, so I want to stay somewhat in the loop. Like, I mean, 95% of me doesn't give a shit about current hockey. But then the 5% of me is like, well, 
I should probably pay somewhat attention because I, I I do have sort of a another podcast besides well this one that I have to uh, stay somewhat informed on. I mean, I'm on Twitter anyway in my timeline. I see all this horse shit every day, so I mean, I know what's going on. Um, on the surface of it, um, I mean, obviously, if I want to investigate something, I'll look into it further. Um, but uh, I'm not completely out of the loop. Now, can I name you the rosters of, it, of, an, of an NHL team right now? No, not even close. I can maybe name you four or five guys on a team. Of course, back in the 90s, I could give... But you had to update the Sega rosters. Sega rosters. So, yeah, I was right on... I was right there when I, I knew who was uh, who was where back then, but I certainly don't now. But... Um, they do good. They do good work, and they're good people. So I tune in there. But uh, all right, what are we going to talk about? Well, first things first. Um, I will. Okay, I just had to pause here. I got to. You know what's actually completely off topic here? You know what's pissing me off? We're getting packages like Amazon packages and stuff delivered here. They just like drop them at your door and leave. They don't ring the doorbell. They don't read anything. And the only reason that I went and got those packages is my we have a. Uh, a front front door camera, uh, but it's it's not on my phone. It's hooked up to my wife's phone right now. We just put them in, and uh, we have that because we we get constant um, packages here all the time. Like I'm sure everyone, most people listening here do. Uh, we also have one facing because we're at a condo, so we also have one out of our kitchen window facing into the parking lot. Um, but uh, that was to. Uh, for security, but, uh, that's a whole other issue, anyway, no, so, she just sent me a text from, uh, yeah, hey, there's packages at the door, um, because we had a package yesterday, I got home from work at 3.30, there's nothing there, obviously, I had nothing there, I walked inside, um, my wife got home about 5, and she's carrying a box, and she goes, why didn't you get this, and I'm like, what are you talking about, and I'm like, Okay, I'm like, well, the guy never rang the doorbell or anything. I didn't know it was out there. So, yeah. So, again, uh, today, obviously, she sees the UPS dude or whoever on the camera. So, she sends me a thing. Hey, check, go check to see if, the, if there's packages at the door. Well, I, you guys didn't hear the doorbell because I was recording. Uh, and the doorbell never rang. So, um, yeah. So, there I go. Two boxes sitting in there. And it's like, oh, really? You can't even ring the doorbell? Like, you don't have to hang out for it, wait for me to sign or whatever, obviously, anymore. But, like, come on. Like, they were, were, I know at Christmas time, we were getting bloody packages left and right. Like, it looked like Santa's workshop over here. But, uh, they rang the doorbell every time. But, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Things are, things are happening here at the fourth line voice offices. Damn Amazon. I don't even want to know what my wife ordered now. Well, what a way of the world, right? Just like that Amazon's just got everything. I, you know what? I'm I'm still kind of old school. I still I'm like the the shop mall guy. Not that I go to the mall, but you know what I mean. If I want something, I go to Walmart or to the mall or wherever the hell that item is. I go there. I'm not a really huge Amazon guy. Not really. I'm trying to think. I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many things I've ordered off Amazon. To be honest, um, my wife is constantly on Amazon. She got the Prime thing and the whole deal. But uh, you know, but I mean, you see some of the prices and whatever. And I mean, you order it, and she's like, "Yeah, I ordered, you know, whatever. It'll be here tomorrow." What? You know, it's like really 
Because I'm used to, like, yo, you place an order, you know, shit, it's three to five weeks. I'm, like, used to, like, the mail. Like, shit, I sent, well, Sears said there when I sent out his, uh, his, uh, his DVDs, uh, about a month and a half later, they showed up in, in, well, of course, I don't, I don't know, that guy has probably got some half-baked address, or, you know, he's, it's, he's a band of gypsies, he's, well, they couldn't find him, he, he moved his shanty, I don't know what goes on over in Nottingham, I don't know what's happening over there, but, uh, but no, you, this Amazon, you order it, and it's there tomorrow, it's like, well, I'm like, shit, I should start getting onto Amazon more, I know they had a really good deal, I'm just, I'm so old school, I had to buy blank DVDs, which are getting harder and harder to find, um, at least at a decent price, used to be able to get them, Shit, man, I was getting, like, a spindle 100 for, like, 20-some bucks a few times. I know Costco had them at one time. I mean, Costco has them anymore. But, um, man, they wanted, like, almost 50 bucks for a 100-pack. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? But, uh, oh, there, she goes, oh, I was just saying to my, I was bitching to my wife about it. And, uh, she get, I didn't even think about looking on Amazon. Of course, she looks on Amazon. Oh, there they were. Uh, there was all different ones, but oh, they're a hundred pack for it was like, I don't know. And she, of course, she didn't pay shipping, so it was like twenty one dollars or something or twenty two bucks. I was like, Jesus! All right, I I really need to start shopping more on Amazon. But uh, anyway, I'm sure you didn't tune into my to hear Amazon adventures. But um, Tony D'Angelo, that's what we're all start with. Um, now, uh, up until. This until all this went down, I couldn't have picked Tony D'Angelo out of a police lineup. I I don't know anything about him. Um, I mean, I know he's good. He's a good player. I know that. I mean, I've heard the name on like highlights and stuff, but I don't know anything about him. Well, so of course, all the outside of I know he was a big Trump guy and very outspoken on Twitter. I knew because being on Twitter, obviously, I would see his tweets. But I didn't know, let's learn more about this individual. It was just somebody else talking about Trump and politics, which I was I had no interest in listening to. Not just the Trump thing, but just politics in general. I'm just tired of it. So I don't, I don't really engage all that often on Twitter about politics. So I didn't bother to investigate. But then, of course, all this shit came up about him fighting with his teammate and everything else. I'm like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. But one of the stories that was making the rounds the day he got released was uh, Andre K. Andre Miller, I believe that's his name. Um, he is a, a black fellow with the Rangers, a black hockey player. Um, so of course that added fuel to the to the D'Angelo story of racism and and stuff. So that's another layer. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying that was another layer to the story to talk about. Um, Again, I don't know who any of these people are. But the story had come out. But he had gotten to a fight with the goalie, and he's had a few other run-ins with teammates, apparently. Blah, blah, blah. And this goes back, OHL, he was suspended by the team for shit. And um, he's he's had a lot of character issues in the past. And apparently with the Rangers, he has been told a few times to straighten out. And uh, if not, he's gone. And this was the final straw. Okay. Well, one of the stories was when Keandre Miller scored his first NHL goal, um, as they do, they go to the net. Whoever's on the ice goes to the net and retrieves the puck for the guy, right? Flips it to the trainer, blah, blah, blah. Well, 
D'Angelo was the one that was by the net and he picked the puck up. Whatever. Well, of course, the rumor gets out and the story starts floating around that he never gave the puck to Miller. And he kept it. And, uh, cause he was black or he didn't like him or what, you know, all these different things. Like somehow, like, I get you don't like D'Angelo. Okay. But really, he went and got the puck. Do you, do you, would he put it in his pocket and play the rest of the game? Did he go and run down the hallway and lock it in his locker? Put it in his fanny pack? What do you think, stuffed it down his pants? What do you think he did with the puck? See, this is the stupidity of the whole story. Well, he did it because he's a racist. Oh, he's like Trump, and he doesn't like he's a racist. And and this is where the idiocy starts. It, like, what, what's he going to do with the puck? And do you think his teammates would let him do that? Like, you fucking idiots. Like, this is just the stupid shit. So, this is going somewhere. So, of course, Blue Shirts Banter. Of course, one of these fucking team vlogs. Big Ranger vlog. Oh, and apparently, I don't follow this guy, I don't read this clown. I mean, since this, I've gone through a few things. Typical vlogger, you know, never fucking played a sport in his life, but he's gonna say what the rain, you know, the, the online GM of what they should be doing, and this guy sucks, and blah, blah, blah. But apparently, this guy's had it in for D'Angelo. He's never liked D'Angelo. Cause the, the blue shirt banter guy, also, Adam, whatever the hell his name is, is, gets, talks a lot of politics on social media. And he doesn't like D'Angelo. Okay, whatever. But, of course, again, we are air quotes journalists. These guys aren't journalists. They're just little fanboys that bought a website address. Um, and this is the clear indication of it. Because they can't separate journalism and their, from their own personal feelings. This guy apparently shits on D'Angelo all the time. And he's a terrible human and blah, blah, blah. Maybe he is. But it's also... Shading your judgment of what what all the things he does will judge him here. So this goof, oh, he has sources. That's the other one. I love that. So basically he got called out for his shitty reporting and being full of shit. Because the whole puck thing came out. That was all bullshit. Miller was, he gave the, D'Angelo gave the puck to the trainer. And apparently the Rangers like to take the, the guy's first puck. Or first goal and get it framed for the guy. And that's where it was. It hadn't come back from the framer yet or whatever. But D'Angelo gave the puck to the trainer like everyone else. Like, what do you. But a killer, this goof, no, he kept it and he did this and blah, blah, blah. And everyone just runs with it. Because, of course, he's got 10,000 sheep that read his horse shit. Ugh. I, I don't. So. He basically got called out on his bullshit on Twitter by a few, by a few people. Well, that's what my sources told me. I'm not walking back from this. I'm just going by what my sources said. Well, your sources, yeah. The what the fuck? The guy that works at Seven Eleven. That's your source. Or his roommate's sister dated the Zamboni guy at MSG once. That's your insider. Like you don't have any fucking sources. Like what are you talking about? You know, and if you do, I would straighten your sources out. But just, like, holding firm to this stupid story. It's just moronic. But this is the world we live in. Where these friggin' vloggers that get any type of popularity. 
I mean, there's a million vloggers that three people read and no one ever knows about. But there's some that rise out of the toilet and become something. And I should, um, I shouldn't say that. There are some that are legitimately trying to be news source and they just report on the team and, and they're decent and they're fair and whatever. I, so I take, I take that back. Um, but there's plenty that just are bullshit and like, they're basically like fantasy GM sites and they like to create bullshit. You'll see all this time, like when the NHL trade, trade deadline comes around. Oh yeah, every guy's in He knows a guy. Oh, I know a guy, my source. This guy's going here and this guy's going there and, you know, old Crosby's going to go to the KHL and because he's mad at Pittsburgh and oh, you see all this bullshit online. And, you know, and people, and there are people that just believe it. So it's like, yeah, and apparently, I don't know all about this blue shirt banter show. I maybe or vlog, so I'm not gonna all. I'm not gonna say all of his stuff is horse shit, but I mean, if this is his level of responsibility, this instance um, is a general theme for him. Well, then. Why is anybody reading any of this garbage? But anyway, his sources. That always cracks me up when people use his sources. Yeah, I heard from a guy. Okay, I'm sure you did. But And it's like that, and like the Leaf guy, that editor in Leaf, that moron that runs around on Twitter and flap. He's just embarrassing. But again, and it's like, well, just ignore him. I do, you know, whatever. I'm just, I'm just talking here for talking points on my show. I don't follow these people on Twitter, but like I said, I see it on my timeline. And it's not a big deal, but the problem is, is this guy, again, they got like 10,000 followers. So it's like, they just, uh, they just spew their bullshit out and people are reading it. And and that's the frustrating part is like, just give credence to these clowns, you know, but again, it's just a, a typical, um, you know, and as far as D'Angelo himself goes, he's he's obviously a good player with issues, and um, well, and I will say, like some of the shit that he writes on Twitter, um, political wise. I mean, well, first the well, that was not political, but oh, the pandemic was a scam, and then the election was a hoax. The results were a hoax. Like, you know, we're not just talking. Oh, I voted for Trump. Go go Republicans. No, he's obviously a little more hardcore than that and stuff. And, and whatever. I mean, if you think the election's rigged, you, again, take that same hammer and hit yourself with it. Just, like, just stop. Like, you know, or the pan, or the pandemic's a scam. Like, okay, what are we doing? You know, you might not like how they've handled it, but don't call coronavirus a scam. Like, clearly it's real. Like, common sense here, folks, you know. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, if you're going to be... Like, this is why... All these teams have social media clauses. And I know junior teams that have it. And you have to monitor this stuff. Because this is exactly what happens. And it's like, I know there's going to be some people, Oh, it's his right as a citizen and free speech. Yeah, yeah, but... And, and that's true. But at the same time, if your employer... Like where I work with the government, we have a social media ban. And actually, and probably in truth, I shouldn't even really be doing this. But... And that's why I limit my my interactions. Like, you don't see me flying, like, putting pictures and my real name and everything. Well, Darren is my real name. I brought up this before. But, I mean, yeah, I have to watch what I say. Now, not that I'm radical and down with the government speech or anything like that. And same thing with Twitter. I don't get very political and rant and rave about this and that. And I'm not controversial. Well, I, hockey fans might think my stance is controversial about fighting. 
But uh, in terms of like world news and things that actually matter, um, I don't really tweet about anything like that. So um, I have a fairly mild uh, social media presence. Um, but yeah, we've had people fired over their Facebook posts and Twitter posts. and Because you were told when you signed up that, hey, uh, we're not saying you can't do it, but watch what you say. Uh, private, like put a lock on your account so just your friends see it, blah, blah, blah. My wife's a teacher, same thing. They're told the same thing. Um, there's responsibilities. And again, words have consequences. And these teams, they don't want the hassle. Yes, you're a citizen. You can have your account and, and say what you like. And there's nothing wrong with saying who you voted for. Leave it at that. Whatever. But when you start going into conspiracy theory talk and and, and just and just hot button issues... There's where the problem is. And this is why teams say they don't want people on social media. Or or monitor your social media. Now, the problem with the Rangers, again, with hindsight, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. I don't know the entire situation. But having seen some of his tweets and stuff, I'm surprised the Rangers didn't clamp down on him sooner. Um, and just told him enough. Um, and I think it got away from him. And this is what happens. Um, I've always said as an athlete or whatever, I don't know why you'd be on social media anyway to open yourself up for that. Oh God, who needs it? But, um, yeah, and it's, and it's tough. And like, again, I'm not say whatever you want, but I'm just saying when you're in a position like that, um, a very prominent public figure, um, I think, uh, you, you definitely have to watch what you say. Like I said, you don't have to completely uh, muzzle yourself, but I would say stay away from the hot button is- issues. And uh, that's clearly the Rangers didn't do that with this guy. And uh, this is the mess that you're left with. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, going back to the um, the blue shirt guy there, it's, you know, again, typical... I don't know what these guys... It's, it's like, again, it's it's not a, a matter of um, accuracy. It's, oh, I'm first, I'm first, I reported first. You know, and I'm not just saying that's for vloggers. Hell, that's for TMZ and Fox and CNN and all these things. It's, um, you know, they'd rather just get the story out first and and we'll, we'll straighten it out later in terms of actual facts. You know, um, yeah. So, and I mean, that's what happened. 24-7 media run world. Yeah, it's a 24-7 world. 365. You know, so they're, they're always looking for news stories and right, wrong, liar, and different or in the middle. Um, you know, they're putting it out there. And, uh, and that's for everything, whether it be sports or gossip or politics or, yeah, and, um, you know, as much as I hate the slogan "fake news" and everyone yelling "fake news," because um, not all, uh, clearly, obviously, all of it isn't. But uh, and fake news is usually, I always laugh at, like as, with these people that yell "fake news" all the time. Well, or until it's a story they agree with. Well, then that that one's real, but the rest are all fake. It's like okay, you know, you see where there's a a, a flaw in this argument. Um, but I definitely think journalism and, and that should be held to a higher standard. And, um, you know, and I, and I think 
it all just gets muddled into one giant word soup. And, uh, this is where we're left with, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Um, another thing that actually, um, Chara got hit in the face of the puck and then, uh, the kid for the, for the, was it the Kings? Took a really bad shot in the face of the puck and he put a picture online, his nose is all, why? I'm like, oh, I wish, put a warning on that picture before you put it out there. Oh yeah, his nose is all smashed up in his face and, uh, you know, he's out for a couple weeks, but, um, it brought up the topic of full masks and, um, it was interesting reading the comments, um, about people or from people. And again, uh, in a social media setting, you really can't have a conversation, not an adult one anyway. Um, you know, tried to engage, like this guy basically started off asking why, why they don't wear full masks. It would make sense, blah, blah, blah. Well, I chimed in that, it doesn't actually make anything. In this case, it would have obviously his face wouldn't have got smashed in the puck. Okay, but at the same time, it also leads to a lot dirtier play with the stick work, etc. Um, college hockey, perfect example is. I always say, just ask any guy that played junior to, and then went on and played college, um, or college to then pro with the visor, blah blah blah. Like a guy that's done both or worn both, um, they'll tell you that the cage just is completely dirty. It isn't safe. It you know it's. No, it just leads to more. And again, I guess for, as I, as I'm saying this now, because at the time I didn't, because of course this guy starts arguing with me and whatever. And I'm like, well, don't argue with me. Argue with every player that's ever, that says that every time, you know, I'll, I'll go tell my brother he's full of shit then. And he doesn't know anything, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, whatever. Well, I don't see, I'm our, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, so what you're saying then, if, if, if it's completely, uh, it isn't as safe that kids shouldn't be wearing full masks. See, this is where it goes right away. As soon as you, like, provide them back. Because there, there was also an article about how dirty hockey was with cages and not cages. Because it was from the um, the Rocky Mountain League. It was a junior A league that had visors that went to full cages. And the results from it. And they had talked to numerous players. There was a whole article on why cages suck. I sent the guy the link. Well, here, read this then. And this is his response back. Instead of, oh, well, I learned something today. And, oh, there might be something to this. No. Oh, so you're saying kids shouldn't wear cages then. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, the kids at the Timbit shouldn't wear cages because it's not as safe. Like, what? Oh, like, again. And it's just like, okay, I'm just blocking you now. Because, again, you, you can't have an adult conversation with someone. It, it, it turns into what aboutisms and what you're saying is okay. That's I always laugh. So what you're saying? No, that's and then they completely butcher it. It's like no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, yeah. They, it, so to make your argument, you do the extreme idiocy. Yeah. No, a 12 year old in uh, in tier two should be wearing a half visor. What? Like who? Who's saying that? The majority of kids that are signed up to play hockey will never make the junior level, will never be in a position to wear a half visor. So that's not who I'm talking about at all. Hell, nowadays, they'll be in a position to never play contact hockey. Because they'll play peewee or bantam, and then they fade out of the sport. So, they don't even play contact. There'll be a generation of players that will have never played contact hockey. So... No, that's not who I'm talking about when I'm talking about the half Pfizer to cage. 
options, you idiot. But again... So follow me on Twitter at Fourth Line Voice. <laughs> oh, like I always say this, right? I mean, I, I go on about Twitter and then, but then are telling you to kind of join it. It's not all bad. It isn't. I have some very good followers and follow, and I follow some very good people on Twitter, and we have a lot of fun talking about the hockey and the posts and pictures and videos and blah blah blah. There are you have to find good in it, obviously. But I'm like, I have definitely slowed down my Twitter, um, my the number of tweets. I haven't been putting as much stuff out there. Just I'm on Twitter. Well, basically, my basic fu- uh, function of Twitter for me is to to uh, advertise this show. It's basically a billboard for me for this podcast. Is the main reason why I'm on Twitter. Because um, I, I don't know any other option to how to get this show out. Um, but I, I but my especially in the winter, not so much in the summer, but in the winter. My, it's just slow at work, and uh, so it lends itself to social media, a lot of reading social media, and uh, so if you'll find, if you ever see me, if you're on, follow me on Twitter, and you see me engage with someone, or argue, you'll, most of the time you'll take note that it's in the afternoon, or it's during the day, because I'll, that's when I have time to do this. At night, I usually don't get involved, because I'll be at home and whatever, doing either doing podcasting, or hanging out with my wife, obviously, or Doing other things other than arguing on Twitter. Um, I will if it's completely an egregious tweet. Then I'll get it. doesn't matter when. I'll motherfuck the guy. But um, knowing full well that the whole point, the whole thing is pointless. But I don't know. I guess it's just like, yeah, it's just Twitter, right? You just got to put your two cents out. But um, yeah. So, But I've been really kind of trying to stay away from Twitter lately. It's... Um, it's just, it's, it, it, and I, I mean, and unfortunately I've had got like, hey, Josh Mazur is a perfect example. Um, you know, he got a hold of me, sent me a text, he goes, hey, if you want to talk to me in the future, um, you know, send me a text or whatever, I'm done with Twitter. And I completely understand his, his position. I don't blame him. You know, it's just, it's too much. And it's, um, it, yeah, you know, it is. I get it. When people say I'm not on social media anymore, oh, what do you mean? No, I, I get why they're not. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately there for, as a necessity, um, for doing this. Um, but no, I completely get it. But yeah. Um, no, the other thing I noticed is somebody sent me a link in the the hockeyfights.com, my former sponsors. Um, you know, and I, I've kind of, I've talked about this before and I don't even go to the, I, I went to their website there the other day and, oh man, just like. I miss the forms. I really do. I maybe I guess. Well, clearly in their mind, they didn't think it was worth it. And I mean, fried chickens down and gone, and all the forms are gone. But man, I miss them. I miss the forms. Um, not that I was a massive poster. I really wasn't. But I just enjoyed reading them, and there was just so much information there. And it wasn't about like the current the fuck the current stuff. But it was like in the in the remember when sections and stuff. Just the information about guys would post old magazine or newspaper articles, and um, you know, and then you, and then you get people. Oh, I was at the game when this happened, or blah blah blah, and you'd get the old stories and stuff, and and it was just tremendous. And you and you know, from WHA stuff to old NHL, whatever it was, it was just old. It was it was history, and that's all gone, and it just sucks. And it's just like, yeah, you, like I I was so mad at them when they took the forums down. I. Um, I told, I 
I told them that and whatever. And, and like I said, but it, they, I mean, when the guys that took over bought it, one, you're young guys and they bought it for the name, you know, and they're new age fan and they're, you know, whatever they're new age, they're younger fans. And, and it, and it, and that's, they look at it from the social media side and whatever. And I mean, I, I guess the people are what the people are probably obviously tuning in to watch the tonight's fights and, yeah, all three fights a week, you know, whatever. But I mean, I guess they put the they put Junior and I mean they stay up to date with it and stuff. So I mean, clearly people are tuning in to see those videos. But um, I don't know. It's just you know, this is just me. To me, it's run really poorly. I've talked to them and uh, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what they have. They have no respect for the past, um, and they just. Whatever they might say they do, but you know, but they're just young and they don't know. And uh, I, they had an opportunity there, and uh, I'm not uh, whatever. I won't get into it. They had an opportunity, but they blew it. But uh, regardless, um, you know, and then they come out with, "Oh, we're going to do the top uh, 20, 20 fights in WHL history." Of course, none of them are older than like 2015. So, like right there. Somebody sent me a link to it. And I'm not knocking the guys that were fighting. Like, uh, like yeah, there are some really great fights current for current stuff. But I'm like, okay, well, I have an entire YouTube channel full of fights that were better than these. You know, from Scott Parker to Rocky Thompson to Colt Nord to Derek Bugard. Like, like, YouTube is filled with old Western Hockey League fights that you could have used. But again, no, they don't, right? And it's like, they're not going to put any of the time to research it in. And they leave it, oh, the members, you do it. Well, you know, I I don't know. To me, it's just like, if you're going to run shit or do shit, it's like, put some research into it. Put some time into it. Everything's just so haphazard. Like, I don't know. They just, oh, we just went based on our fan votes and that's what we put up. You know, and it's like, you know, whatever, I get it. But it's just, I don't know. It's just such a... Uh, it's just such a cop out, and I don't know. It just put it this way. I mean, I've taken a lot, and I'm not saying just because of me. I know there's other guys. History of hockey fights. Uh, Steve, um, George. Uh, you know, all of these guys have YouTube channels that have old Western Hockey League fights on them. Why not use their stuff? Not just mine. You know. I mean, I'm probably a little more into the WHL than the rest of the guys, but they all have good fights on there. Why not do some bloody research? See, this is why I know you don't know anything. You bought the name. <clears throat> and I'm not saying you have to know every guy that ever went through every junior league. I know, I'm not saying that. But holy shit. Where do you think the NHL guys from the past came from? Where did Tony Twist come from? Maybe he'll investigate. Oh, he played in the Western Hockey League. Oh, let's go look if there's some fights there. Oh, look, there they are. Some Western Hockey League Tony Twist fights. You know what I mean? It's like, do some friggin' research. Instead of just slapping current New Age bullshit up. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's just laziness. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I know I'm picking at nits here, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It just it's just so lazy to me. Like no effort put in and you know 
you know we're here to we're here we're to promote the current topic uh, the the current guys and the current product and stuff okay that's fine i get it you know but hockey also has a 100 year past as does junior and stuff but you never talk about that like if you go and look on hockey fights twitter page they you know or whatever when was the last time they put an old fight up you know like why why can't you do that because you don't know any of the old fighters, maybe? I don't know. Like, maybe learn something. So just buying a name. But, whatever. Alright. Well, there, there, there's 30 minutes of me being a sour fucking sour puss. Jesus. But how about we, uh... We move into... Onto a happier topic. Or maybe this topic will drive will get people mad too. It is the uh, the the twenty five best fighters in the NHL. Joe Lazito. We're gonna rank these. Joe's probably hating this right now because after this he's gonna get a bunch of uh, hate tweets. I know Joe. I know back in the day on the forums and stuff. Of course, this is all back when fried chicken was around and everything else. Um, this magazine would come out, and of course there'd be. Plenty of debate on the forums about these, and Joe would just get just raked over the coals sometimes. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, here we go. On the following twenty-five pages, we rank the top enforcers of the NHL in five key categories: punching power, intelligence, reputation, quality of opposition, and fighting ability. We've even given them a few extra points for being members of the Frequent Fighters Club. Goal scoring is not a category. Skating is not a category. 100 points will get you nowhere, but 200 penalty minutes will. We have some big... Oh, yeah, okay, I won't break that, because that's they're just talking about who's gonna who's the number one guy. So, there we go. This was, this was top quality back in February of 2000 when this came out. I read this thing, man, I'm telling you, from cover to cover. Numerous times. It's interesting because uh, obviously Joe took some uh, some liberties here because we'll we'll start at number number twenty five Rocky Thompson <clears throat> fight card Brashear Grimson Myers Matt Johnson all oh, preseason okay um, so three games three fights uh, I, I laugh the ninety eight ninety nine fight highlights is in a league that's try, that's trying to minimize fighting Thompson is like a breath of fresh air or like a breath of fresh air. Could you imagine? That was written in 98-99. Oh, Joe, if you could have had a crystal ball and looked into what we got now. Holy, it, this looked like bloody, uh, what, friggin' the Royal Rumble. Uh, 98-99. That looked like UFC compared to the friggin' pond hockey bullshit we got now. You know, it's, he's, it's just funny. But no, Rocky was a very good fighter. Um, that's interesting that he's on here for, uh, uh, and it's funny, folks. Um, I saw that I, I knew every article they ranked the fighters for the year, and uh, well, right on the front page, right at the top, we rank hockey's top twenty-five fighters. So I didn't, uh, I didn't, I haven't read this. I didn't go back and read the rankings until right now. Um, and I mean, obviously, it's been how many years since I've read this, so I don't remember who the rankings were. But um, yeah, so I'm going to be as I'm turning the pages, I'm going to be uh, surprised as you are. Rocky twenty-five. Number 24, Brad Brown. 
He had he played 66 games and had 14 fights. Grimson, McKenzie, Audrey's Olawag, Koser. Age 24. 6'4", 218. I will say... Um, and he played in the Blackhawks, man. The Hawks had a mean team that year with Probert and Reed Simpson and stuff. Um, I didn't, uh, I mean, I was, I knew Brad Brown was obviously a first rounder by Montreal. And I had seen some of his fights over the years and he kind of, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> he's just one of those, he was always around, but I, I, for, I don't know, whatever reason, I just didn't really pay much attention to him. Or I didn't do it like a, whatever you want, a deep dive, so to speak, into his career. Um, until, uh, uh, last year I had gotten a bunch of Fredericton Canadian AHL DVDs and oh, outstanding by the way, Jerry Fleming and Brown and Asham and Terry Ryan and Chris Murray and on and on. Oh, they were fantastic, fantastic DVDs. If anybody wants them, let me know. I can burn them for you. Um, but Brad Brown was a major, um, he was on there constantly. And I remember I'm watching, and I don't have a list, so I'm watching, I'm like, who's this number four? Oh, it's Brown. Okay, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. And I'm watching him. Holy shit. Bam, bam, bam. Like, he was just awesome. Great fights with Bonvi and on and on. Tremendous. So I, um, actually, there's a guy, I should upload more of his stuff onto my YouTube channel. I did put some of his stuff up there. But yeah, definitely check out the YouTube channel for some of the Brad Brown Fredericton stuff. Outstanding. But he had some great NHL tilts, too. So yeah, 24, Brad Brown. What do we got? Oh, there we go. 23, Chris Murray. I love Chris Murray. Uh, former Western Hot Kamloops Blazer. Um, probably, I would say the best Memorial... Well, it's not maybe. I, I would say it's the best Memorial Cup fight ever. Him and uh, Steve McLaren. Toe-to-toe. If you have never seen it, go do, again. YouTube search. Chris Murray, Steve McLaren. Unbelievable. Actually, Murray got into a, another really good fight um, with, uh, Jeff, with Jeff Mercer and that. Um... Yeah, outstanding fight from the Memorial Cups. But uh, you go back, Chris Murray, again, another guy. Go back. In the NHL, maybe a little undersized. Well, 6'2", 220, undersized. He seems smaller than that, though. Um, of course, again, the guys he's fighting are so big. But just a toe-to-toe fighter, no defense, wide open. You'll, trust me, again, go to YouTube, Chris Murray. You'll you'll be loving what you're seeing. But uh, he had seven fights that year. I know he ended up with, it was in Dallas, he had some really, he was really good, again, another guy came up, as I mentioned, in the Fredericton, he's all over the Fredericton stuff, um, some good fights in Montreal, then he went to Ottawa, um, I know towards the end he was with, like, Dallas and St. Louis, and I think he, he had a lot of wrist issues, and then that, I think that's what led to his early retirement, but, well, Chris Murray was outstanding. 23, George LaRock. He was a rookie that year, I'm yep. The hot newcomer this year is George LaRock. Yeah, he uh, he played. He only played the. He was a rookie the year before. He had thirty nine games. He had nine fights. Um, yeah, Grimson Twist, uh, Severn Ray. Yeah, yeah. And this, I will say, when you go back and look, um, George actually had a real edge when he first came up. He, you know, he's the hungry rookie, and now like, good luck, man. You know, he wasn't doing any of that bullshit like he did towards the end. Um, because I know Ray had talked some shit, um, and about oh, what am I supposed to be scared of him? Blah 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 in the pregame, and then um, yeah, and well, and George beat him up, but uh, uh, yeah, he was um, he's a tough dude. No, oh, yeah, there. Thanks for the obvious there. Thanks tips. Yeah, George is a tough dude, but it's interesting. It's just such the early stage of his career. But yeah, twenty two, George LaRock. 
Now again, the oh, it turns one of the best. We're going. This is ninety eight, ninety nine. Think of the time capsule. Put yourself with blinders on. We're not doing hindsight because I mean George later on went on, of course, to become one of the best ever. But at this time, this is where he was. So remember that as I'm doing this. But I mean, my listeners get it. You guys get it. If I put this on Twitter. That's exactly the first comment somebody... I can't believe you have George at 22, you stupid fuck. That's exactly what they would say. Okay, well, at that time... I, again, yeah, I'm not explaining it. You know what I'm saying. This is 98-99. Number 21, Peter Worrell. 62 games, 21 fights. Yeah, old Pete. Um, I get the, This season was his first... That 98-99 was kind of his first full year in the league. Man, there was a lot of tough dudes coming up at that time. You know... Especially, uh, you know, with Rocky and George and the Worrell and Parker was coming. And yeah, oof, uh, what a time. And this is sort of right in my wheelhouse. Kind of that mid to late 90s. That's kind of right when I really, because that, that'd be like high school on is kind of when I really, because, really, and of course, this time period, late 90s is the internet. So now you're really starting to find out about guys. You know, because you'd see the other Ontario and Quebec, you'd see the other junior leagues and the minor leagues, which you never got before. Um, so at this time period is when my fandom is really ramped up at this point. And, um, and you know, I mean, I knew the dub guys, but yeah. Uh, but Worrell, like the, my only exposure to Worrell was like the Memorial cup, right? When he was in a hall and, uh, yeah, just massive and like beating on dudes and had a few. So I was like, holy shit, look at this guy. And, uh, yeah, heck of a career. Number 20, Gino Ojic. Yeah, that was a kind of a, a rough year. He was injured a lot the year, the the ninety eight year, twenty three games and five fights. But uh, you know, this is obviously going on um, um, past reputation. But uh, you know, this is actually kind of towards the end of Gino's career. He's with the Islanders here, and uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, Gino definitely um, fought everyone over the years. Although one of the big fight, one of the fights, and obviously they didn't play each other very much, but I'm always surprised he never fought Probert. Now, just as I said that, now I'm thinking, but no, I don't think he ever did. I know they never really faced each other very much, but uh, yeah, interesting that he didn't. Oh, oh, there's a full yeah color picture Langdon. Stuger. Oh, it's like the it's like the old uh, tiger beat. Here we got the the centerfold. I'm not gonna say who the centerfold is because it'll give away who the in the rankings here. I I mean I know who number one is because he's on the cover. But um, oh, we're all in Langdon pictures. Poshek and Odgers. There you go. Oh well, there you go. Number nineteen, Rudy Poshek. Again, massive fan of Rudy Poshek. Um, there's another guy. Go on YouTube and get into a deep dive of, of uh, Poshek. You will not be disappointed. Um, you must not have obviously played that much. 16 games, 5 fights. Um, not a busy year for the veteran Poshek. It was a healthy scratch in most of the Blues games. Oh, yeah. There you go. But yeah, he... Uh, unbelievable. Just, uh, just uh, toe-to-toe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say with with uh, Rudy, uh, his, his face looks like he uh, he ran the hundred yard dash in a ninety yard gym. You know, certainly, uh, yeah, not the best looking cat, but uh, unbelievable. Uh, I I I just 
I'm trying to think what fight I just put up is. I uploaded at well, going back. Well, there you go. There's another one. Best WHL fights of all time. Go watch um, Rudy Poshek and Jim Lattice. That fight is unbelievable. And then I put a fight up with him and Barubi from the Western League. Um, again, and we're we're talking about best WHL fights of all times, and those don't even show up on hockeyfights.com. Like I said, if you're gonna call your if you're gonna go by hockeyfights.com, maybe you know there they, <coughs> things happened in hockey before 2010. Number 18, Rob Ray. Well, there you go. 76 games, 19 fights. Yep. He finished ninth in fights, but first in penalty minutes. Yeah, well, of course, uh, that was the year he fought Domi three times. I mean, I think they ended up fighting, what, 14 times in their career? But I love Rob Ray. He's outstanding. I don't need to, I don't need to break down Rob Ray to you. Number 17. Oh, there we go. Scott Parker. 27 games, eight fights. Yeah, he, uh, uh, this is his first, yeah, well, yeah, his very first NHL fight was against Tony Twist. How's that? And at that time, um, you know, Twist was kind of the top guy in the league. Um, and that, that's your very first NHL fight. Like I said, way to stick your toe in the water, right? Um, you know, and of course, he had the tough loss to Probert. Probert, Probert got him. I mean, I'm sure people listening to this, some of you are yelling at your dashboard, oh, Probert knocked him out. Yeah, because as soon as you mention Parker, that's what everybody brings up. Which always cracks me up, yeah, because like losing to Probert was such a bad. No one ever did that. No one ever lost to Probert. Like, oh, really? Like, come on. But uh, yeah, first round pick. Um, that was the Avalanche that year. Of course, they had four first round picks, and you go back and look, and it was like Regeer. Um, oh, geez, who was it now? Skula, Tangy, and Parker. Whoever, no, I, I totally blew that whole bit. Tells you I'm a, you know. But I know the four guys they picked became like NHL regular guys. So, I mean, they're obviously some solid first round draft picks there. But, um, yeah, and for those that don't know, um, Scott Parker in the, was initially drafted by New Jersey, and then went back in the draft, in the third round, and then went back in the draft, and like I just said, got picked 20th overall. Um, but by, was the toughest guy in the Western Hockey League. Um, and and he had a thirty goal season that year in Kelowna, so he had some skills and um, and I'm and not just like like the toughest guy, him and Rocky because him and Rocky have a really good fight. Um, but like again, I keep say go to my YouTube channel, but I I've put up a ton of Scott Parker Western Hockey League and AHL fights up there. If you go and watch the the WHL fights and the American Hockey League fights of him. Um, you could see what the hype was about him. You can understand why there was hype around him. Um, unbelievable. Like a man amongst boys. And just like murdering dudes. Murdering dudes. And I mean, I've had I've had guys. I've had Mazer and Graf and these guys on here. And they've talked about um, how... And Mazer did great against Parker. So did Graf. But um, they've said... Mike Brown has said... Mike Brown was really good too. But he has said how good Scott Parker was. Again, this is not much of me saying it. It's from the guys that actually fought him. But yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, I can definitely see his ranking here. Number 16, Ken Belanger. Well, there you go. I, I think this the, this guy is definitely a guy that gets lost in the sands of time, I think. Um, 54 games, 11 fights. I mean, he had that vicious... Um, you know, I know he ended up with a lot of head trauma. And of course, he took that big KO from 
Paul Laws, and uh, I think that effectively sort of ended his career because um, you know he went out. But when he's when he came up with the when he initially was up with uh, Toronto and the Islanders and stuff in Boston, I mean when he was at the Bruins, I mean he gave it to Probert one night. Now I mean I know it's not the Probert of the prime Probert, but still that's a named dude and and can handle them. But yeah, big guy again, skilled guy. Um, you go back and look at his American League stuff. Twenty goal season, I believe he was in an All Star game in the American League. Um, yeah, so he wasn't just a you know meatball. Um, a solid player. Um, I think kind of burned out a little early. But uh, actually, I'm gonna while while we're talking here, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look up uh, Belanger here because I want to know. I don't think he played that many NHL games. Um, yeah, two hundred well two hundred forty eight. But yeah, it came up with Toronto briefly, um, or it was in their system. And then, uh, yeah, 40 games, 30 points, 222 minutes in St. John's. And then uh, got traded to the Islanders. And again, sent to Kentucky, 38 games, 10 goals, 12 assists, 164 minutes. So, I mean, that's solid. 22 point, 38 games, 160 minutes, that's some solid shit. You know, and then he played uh, the three seasons with the Islanders and then with the Bruins. And then um, he signed with the Kings and he sort of... Um, you know, uh, fizzled out there, but, um, you know, like I said, with the head, the head injuries and stuff that come with the role, but, um, yeah, definitely big guy. And, uh, yeah, do yourself a favor. Look up Ken Belanger. He, uh, he had like early on in his career, he had some solid fights. Number 14, Brant Myers. There we go. Yeah. I, uh, of course I had the opportunity to, uh, watch Myers in junior, um, and he, he was, uh, at the time in the early nineties. Yeah. He was the baddest dude in junior. I know he was voted best in the West. Um, yeah. And I mean, we had Rhett Trombley here who was a tough dude. And I mean, those, you guys listen, know who Rhett is. Um, you know, and he was probably, he was one of the main guys in the Western league at the time. And, uh, and he was our guy, right? No, here comes Myers and there's big man. Oh, eight seconds into the game. Myers buckled him in like three punches. It's like, Ooh, Okay. And uh, they fought a few times, and uh, and Myers was big and lefty, and yeah, he hammered dudes. And then the Miners, same thing, watching some old IHL footage when he was at the Atlanta Knights. Toe-to-toe, big dude, hammering guys. Um, early on in his NHL career with San Jose and stuff, where this is from, with the ranking here, um, was really good. Like I said, when you're that big and you're left-handed, oof. But the one thing with Myers, and we've talked about it on the show, Steve and I, when we were doing the rankings and stuff, he had this habit. He would bail in fights. The old banana peel, right? It looked like he slipped. And it was always weird because, I mean, he would do it in fights he was winning, too. He just wanted to get out of them. And, um, yeah. And it's, um, and like I said, it's, uh, it, it really, I know it's, it, when you talk about it, if you, if you talk to like a, like a, a fight, whatever you want, a fight nerd, fight aficionado about Brant Myers, um, they bring that up. They'll bring that up about him bailing in fights and stuff, and uh, you know they're not they're not uh, they're not wrong. I mean, it happened, and uh, I'm trying. I'm just trying to look up. Uh, yeah, here he is. He actually has a, and of course, it has since come out that um, you know he had a lot of issues with uh, alcohol and uh, and drug dependency, and um, and that really limited his career. Um, and, and he actually has a book coming out, uh, called Painkiller and, um, uh, it's coming out on the, on the 16th and I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that. Um, 
I know. Actually, there's a picture of him on Twitter here. He's uh, he's he's doing the audiobook as well. And that'll be cool. Actually, I just noticed that picture. Um, yeah, he's doing the uh, the audiobook. So um, I might actually get that. Oh, I'm getting the book for sure. Maybe I'll get the audiobook. I've never done an audiobook actually. Maybe that might be my first one. Um, but yeah, and of course he, uh, you know, and he he is just going through a lot of a lot of struggles at the time, and uh, you know. Um, It'll be interesting to read. But yeah, Brent Myers. I like Brent Myers. I was a fan of his. I, well, no, I won't. After what I was just talking, I don't, I, yeah, no, I won't. I have a Brent Myers story, but I won't. Not Nothing bad, but it was bad. Well, I wasn't, yeah, whatever. I won't talk about it. it was, no, no, I'm like, I left everybody hanging. No, I'll just put it this way. I ran into him when he was in the, uh, I, I believe uh, he was he was recovering at the time, or he was he was sober at the time, and uh, and I ran into him, and I was all hammered up in Vegas, and I was trying to offer him a beer, and yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. Number fourteen, Jeff Audgers. Hey, there we go, friend friend of the show, Jeff Audgers. There's another guy I've, I've talked to on this show. Uh, go back and check out that interview, as well as his son Dakota, who was a tough guy in his own right. Um, Yes, the Augers family. Good people. There you go, number 14. 75, 29 fights. There you go, second in the league in fights. Um, yeah, what can you say about Augers? I mean, everyone that's listening, they know about Jeff. Uh, you know, toe-to-toe guy. Um, you know, win, lose, or draw. It was exciting. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to... Oh, he was the... You know, he, he wasn't the best fighter or anything. He was undersized. But back down from nobody and balls of steel. Uh, war of the sea. Uh, was the original gangster in San Jose when they first came up, first started? He was there, and uh, yeah, what do they call it? What a, a, definitely a room guy, and uh, you know had a hell of a career. Played a long time, and uh, yeah, they don't get much tougher than Jeff Rogers for sure. Number thirteen, Reed Simpson, another guy I think gets overlooked a lot. Unbelievable the amount of fights that guy was in. This one, 53 game, 15 fights. Played in the American League for a long time. Another guy, um, I know I keep harping to my YouTube channel, but I've got a bunch of Reed Simpson stuff up there. Some really good Hershey shit from when he was in the American League. Awesome fights. And, uh, yeah, Reed Simpson was unbelievable. I'm a massive fan of Reed Simpson. Yeah. Oh, come on. Number 12, Jim McKenzie. Well, there you go. Uh, 73 games, 7 fights. Yeah, Jim was sort of infrequent with the fight. He wasn't a big fighter. Um, you know, I think he was more of a more react than act type. And I don't know many people have go out looking for him. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, man, he was so big and could switch hands. And I always say I think the rest of the league is probably, is, is probably very lucky that Jim McKenzie was nice. You know, and, uh, but yeah, he had a hell of a career, played for a long time, had some great, um, you know, some really great toe-to-toe, like, just machine gun punching, and, uh, yeah, big fan of Jim's. Number 11, Paul Laws, I fought the Laws, and the Laws won, yep, 75 games, 20 fights, another guy that was, unfortunately, his career got shut down with a wrist injury, but... Unbelievable. Um, of course, at the time, you know, being out in Florida and, you know, with the TV coverage back then, not what it is now. Um, you know, I, I 
late game. You just didn't see a lot of him. But imagine that Laws and Morrell as a tag team. Like, geez. But yeah, again, a guy that kind of turned himself into an NHL regular. Um, was very probably very fortunate in the in the expansion draft that he got picked up um, by Florida, and he got an opportunity to play. And uh, like I said, turned himself into a, you know just a serviceable you know just a stay at home tough defenseman. But yeah, he fought. Boy, he fought, and he could hit, man. He's the only guy that I ever saw drop Baruby. Well, he not knocked home Baruby's line there, and they had to peel him off. But yeah, he hit Baruby with an uppercut and put him down. I've never seen anybody do that. But uh, yeah. Laws could hit. like I, Well, and I said earlier about the Belanger fight. Yeah, Laws, Belanger, go look that one up. Oof. Yeah, vicious. Number 10, Darren Langdon. Yeah, Lang- I was 44 games, 8 fights. I was such a big, big fan of Langdon. Um, just, uh, just a technician when he fought. And, uh, you know, not, not a big, huge power puncher guy, but could grapple both hands. And, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, I don't need to explain... Darren Langdon, how good he was. I mean, you guys know. Uh, number nine, Matt Johnson. Yeah, uh, 49 games, 11 fights. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, I was just reading you know, all the discussion of the Johnson season. Um, it, yeah, it begins and ends with Jeff Bukaboom. Yeah, unfortunately, Johnson punched him in the back of the head and got 12 games. And um, Yeah, that was a real... That was a cheap... Yeah, there's no defending it. It was a cheap shot and it sucked and... Yeah... That's too bad that happened, but uh, I know Johnson, he came up, he was with the Kings really early, like at 18, and it was probably just way too early for him, um, you know, and of course people, I'm, I'm sure people are familiar with the story, you know, he's having a real tough time now and out in the streets in LA and homeless, and um, I think that's, he's back home now, I believe, and uh, hopefully getting help, um, you know, you hate to see that, but uh but yeah, going back to his hockey, I mean, he came out of the OHL, he was the kingpin in the Ontario League, and I think the Kings rushed him too quick, but he was such a big kid. Um, for the first few years in LA, um, you know, he's willing and stuff, but that's the balance wasn't there, and I remember, because again, we, you never saw the OHL stuff, right, being out here in the West, so it's kind of like, what is, like, this is the, you know, this is supposed to be the big hype, this guy, you know, and I, I never saw it, and then, uh, but he definitely, uh, later in his career, um, grew into the role um, got some balance, um, had an unbelievable, the stuff I can really remember is his Minnesota years at the wild. He put some beats on some guys there. Um, and this is, he's with Atlanta, same thing. Um, yeah, he's really starting to come into his own here, but yeah, big dude. And, uh, I hopefully he, uh, actually I should look into that. I'm going to read, I'm I'm only look into the Matt Johnson thing. I really hope he gets, gets some help and, uh, gets, you know, straightened out. But, uh, yeah, number eight, Patrick Cote. Oh, Cote, here's another guy. He's in jail now and got l- wrapped up in the LNH lifestyle and with the mob and lots of off-ice issues. Well, that's why his NHL career was cut short. He was caught at the border with drugs. and Yeah, but for the time that he played in Nashville, yeah, 70 games, 30 fights. Yeah, he led the league in fights. He fought Probert three times. Um, yeah, unbelievable rookie year. Cote was really, really good in the NHL. Again, big guy. Um, he, uh, yeah, fought Myers, uh, Kale Hulse, um, Sandy McCarthy, Tony Twist, Brashear. Yeah, Cote was legit dude. Um, again, go back and check out his stuff. 
Um, not well, his Quebec League stuff's outstanding too, the LNAH stuff. Um, but at that point, you know, he's just really kind of a shell of himself. Not in terms of fighting wise, he was still really tough, obviously. But um, you know, he'd obviously hit the supplements and uh, the the chicken breasts and the and the protein powder, and uh, was more into uh, jacking up. I mean, I think he he was playing at like two seventy, and like look. He's enormous. You guys see the pictures of him. He looked like a bodybuilder, and we'd get muscle tears all the time and whatever, but when it came to the fighting part, he could hit, for sure. And uh, a lot of the guy, all the guys I've had on my show that have played against him, they're like, oh yeah, he was like the meanest guy I ever played against. Yeah, the Cote did not give a fuck. And the Quebec League, and the, and the NHL, I mean, that'd be obviously a different story, and his head mindset was in a different place. Um but, uh, yeah, he was, in his brief time at the NHL in Nashville, he was really good. Um, number seven, Donald Brashear. Yeah, again, um, 82 games, 17 fights. This is when he was in Vancouver. Really dominant in Vancouver. Um, I think the guy was just, after he left Montreal, and, and again, found, found himself, grew into it, grew into the role, grew into himself. Um, you know, you can say what you want about Brashear, and I get it. I'm not a brash guy either, I've always said that, but... I would say you got to give him his due, and um, I, he's in my top ten of all time. And uh, you know, this is still obviously early in his career, but uh, and he would go on. But uh, yeah, yeah, he had the fights with uh, with Probert and Cote, and yeah, he, he well, he concussed Rocky. Um, yeah, no, that was Myers that did. Pardon me. There's another one. Yeah, Myers dropped Rocky that this year. Um, but yeah. You know, what What can you say about Brashear? I mean, the guy was legit. Hate him if you, all you want, but he was legit. Number six, Christoph Oliwa. There's another guy I think that gets lost to the sands of time, but at one point, um, actually, wasn't I just talking about him on one of my episodes? Um, yeah, you go back and watch his New Jersey stuff? Man, solid. Yeah, again, um, I really, I don't have an Oliwa disc or anything, but um, I was looking at, I had some Albany DVDs. And I, that I got, and I was watching him, and he's on all over him. Again, looking really solid. Um, and just a massive dude. And uh, Yeah, Oliwa was legit. Absolutely. Number five, Ty Domi. There you go. 72 games, 20 fights. Um, fought, yeah, Probert, Cote, uh, Oliwa. Yeah, I mean, what 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 more do I need to say about Ty Domi? He was one of the best, undersized for his size, and to have the success he had was uh, was unreal. And uh, yeah, Domi man, number four, Bob Probert. There you go. Um, and again, Bob Probert was the best of all time. Stop, stop. Again, this is ninety eight, ninety nine. That's before we start sending Joe hate mail. Again, just think of the time period. Um, Probert's definitely winding down at this point in his career, but definitely still a big measuring stick for guys and still really good. I mean, obviously still number four in the league. It's not like he's, you know, on the back, but he's definitely on the back nine of his career. But of course, um, this is the year he had the big knockout of Parker and, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was still around. Um, uh, was it the year after? So this is why I need Steve on here. Steve's really good at banging out the years and everything else. There was a year, it was either this year or the year after, um, Probert really kicked, re-kicked, rejuvenated his career in terms of the fighting and had a really strong fight year. 
Um, he had some lackluster years too. I mean, even the biggest Probert fan can't deny that. He looked really rough at times, you know. And to be expected, I mean, when you have 300 career fights, yeah, you just, you know, you, you run out of steam, right? And, uh, age and everything catches up to you. So, um, yeah. That's so funny. Who's number, I don't have a number three. <laughs> what? Where'd my number three go? What? Well, it must have been on the back of a picture or something. That's funny. So I can't tell you who number three was. So we're going to have 24, 24, the top 24. Um, okay. Who was number three? Somebody get a hold of me. We need to know. But number two was Sandy McCarthy. And again... I, I, it might surprise some people, but Sandy was really, really good early on. Again, faded at the end of his career, but at the start there when he was in um, Calgary with the Flames, he was unreal. Uh, top guy in the league probably at one time. And uh, you know, and then went to Philly, put up some really strong fights there. and uh, um, Or he went to Tampa first and then to Philly. Um, again, really solid. Uh, do yourself a favor, look up some early uh, Sandy McCarthy. Yep, he was he was legit. Oh, I see what they did. Oh, there's a printing error. I never noticed it. Okay, Sandy's number three. Okay, now I flip it over. Number two was Tony Twist. That's interesting. I never noticed the. Huh. Oh, there you go. Tony Twist. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, was number two. Wow, there you go. Sixty-three games, nine fights. Um, yeah, Cote, Simpson, Larock, Parker. Um, yeah, there, there's not much uh, more you can say about Tony Twist that hasn't been said. Um, right around this time period was obviously right when he was in his prime. Um, he, I believe this is his final year. Um, was it not? Again, let's go to Hockey DB and, and find out. Um, of course, he was in the motorcycle accident. Uh, it has to be pretty close. Yeah, this is his last year. Yep. So this was his final year that he played, 98, 63 games, 149 minutes. Yeah, so yeah, he was basically yeah, 31 years old. What a shame, getting the car accident, or the motorcycle accident, and that that ended his career. He's a free agent, and uh, I know I've talked to people on here, and it was uh, Jamie Rivers, I believe, was saying he had a deal lined up, and I, I want to say, I got to talk to Rivers again. I want to say it was with Boston. I believe it was with Boston, and he was going to be the highest paid enforcer in the league. And, uh, and unfortunately he got over the summer, he got into that motorcycle accident and, uh, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, those final years, the late, the mid to late nineties with St. Louis, um, yeah, Tony Twist was, um, and they consider this fighting style, the wild swinging style and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, um, you know, and he's hitting a lot of shoulder pads and sides of helmets and basically kind of spaz fighting, but he was just so big and so strong that uh, he just ragdolled guys. And you just go back and you think, and you watch the fights. They might not be the greatest fights, but just think of who he's fighting. Like when you got Darren Langdon and Reed Simpson, like these are massive, tough 
not massive dudes. Lang is not massive, but I mean, just tough dudes that if that when they fight everyone, just think about when they fight everyone else, and then when they fight Twist. And you just see him getting jerked and yanked around. And it's like Reed Simpson goes down and covers his head. Not that he's scared, but he just gets in that position where there's no coming back from it. And if you stay in that position and Twist catches you, it's over. So he just kind of just ducks out of the fight because he's in a bad spot and Tony's got him. I don't blame him. But when you go back and watch a hundred other Reed Simpson fights, when did he ever do that? You know, it's just sort of, uh, my point is, it's basically a testament of like, just how strong Twist was, and just, he just overwhelm you, um, I'm trying to think who I had on here that fought him, but like they said, it was just like a tidal wave, and he just keep coming, and coming, and just overwhelms you, and there's nothing you can do, and, uh, and meanwhile, while he's yanking, and pulling you, and dragging you, that right hand is coming, and it's just like a sledge, right, and I mean, you saw him, the damage he's done to guys, and yeah, it's a bad man, and it's such a shame with the motorcycle accident because it would have been something to see him sign that deal because he's 31 at the time and uh, you know say he signs a two or three year deal you know plays into his mid 30s 33 34 35 and then you know guys would retire but it would have been interesting because this is still he's still kicking ass at this time and uh, you know re- still is really solid so it would have been really interesting for the next couple years. Um, to see what he would have done, especially, you know, with the younger guys coming up, like we were saying with um, Parker and Morrell and these younger guys coming up, and, and LaRock, um, what would have happened? It's the, one of the great what-ifs, right? But, who do you guys think number one is? Stu Grimson is number one. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, not a surprise pick by this at all. Um, you know, he had 20 fights that year, um, with Cope, Brash, Parker, LaRock, Probert. I mean, Stu fought everybody. And, uh, you know, at this time he's in his mid 30s, he's 34. Um, actually with the one fight he had, this, I think this is what really kind of, in my, in my mind, really, uh, cemented Rocky's reputation, Rocky Thompson. He fought Grimson Stu this year. And did really well. I'd give I'd give Rocky the W in the fight. It was a great fight, but I'd give I'd give Rocky the win. And it really the fact that he hung in with arguably now you can argue with Joe's ratings, whoever. But nonetheless, Grimson was one of the top guys in the top guys in the league. And Rocky hung with him, and like I said, really beat him. And uh, to me, that was an indication of what Rocky could have done. Again, I'm not sure why. I mean, I know Rocky was, you know, I'm not being mean, but he wasn't much of a player. I know that. Um, but I was always surprised because at the time, Calgary really didn't have anyone. And it was like, not the, not of that nature. And, uh, yeah, I was just surprised. And at the time, for the time period, I'm just really surprised that Rocky didn't get get more of a time, in the, more time in the NHL. I'm not saying, oh, he should have played 400 games. I mean, I wish he did. But um, I'm just surprised he didn't get like a season or two at least, like a full season. Yeah, it sucked. Um but actually, I always say, like, uh, I know this is about Stu, but about my Rocky story, um, Fred Brady, a friend of mine, um, happened to be in Calgary um, when New Jersey came to town, and uh, Rocky Rocky was playing, it was, and it was his first, uh, I think he had been up already, but it was his first home game, and, you know, he's from, uh, he's from Calgary, uh, or the area, and... Um, and he had the long hair, and he fought Oliwa twice that game, and he gave it to Oliwa. And of course, he gets up after, and he flexes his arms, and he raises his hands. He's got the long hair, and looks like a Hanson brothers. And my buddy was saying, like the saddle dome, you thought the roof was coming off. 
people were just ch- Rocky, Rocky. And of course, they got the da na da na You know, they got, of course, you got to play the Rocky music, right? I mean, just a character, what a character, right? The mess of the teeth, the long hair, uh, the white, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to fight and wrestle you. And, hey, good job, bro. It was none of that horse shit. It was wide open swinging, and he was a toe-to-toe guy, an exciting fighter. And, I mean, marketing gold. And I, the next day, I had the, that uh, sucks, I don't have the, I had the picture still, but I actually had the paper. My friend brought the paper home for me and gave it to me, the Calgary Sun. Massive article in the front, Rocky Hockey. That's what it said, and it's got him with his arms up in the air. And, uh, oh, it was tremendous. And they were just like, oh, he was a hero. I'm like, oh, this is like marketing gold. And, of course, the flames blew it and whatever. But, yeah, for that run brief period of time, talk hockey. Tremendous. But, uh, but yeah, and like I said, he him and Stu had the really good one. But, yeah, Stu, man, when he, um, you know, came up, was always willing, fought everybody. And, but, you know, in Chicago, um, you know, some balance issues, big, tall, gangly guy. But, again, another guy that grew into it. And uh, really kind of, for me, um, I don't know the exact years or anything. Like, again, I need Steve here for this. But uh, when he was with Hartford slash Carolina, that's when I really, he really started just really hammering guys. And uh, not saying he didn't before. He had some wins before, obviously, but... Man, he really started dominating. And then when he went to Anaheim and stuff, it was like, yeah, he was uh, legit. And like I said, big 6'5", you know, not the big bodybuilder type, but uh, not big muscle guy, but just really long, really long arms and knew how to use it, stretch you out, would throw bombs. Um, yeah, Stu was legit and mean guy. I know, you know he's a Christian, he's a real religious guy and stuff, you know, whatever, but uh, he didn't play. he didn't play like that on the ice. He knew what his role was, and he could be real mean, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Stu was legit. So, yeah, there we go. The top 25 from 98-99, brought to you by Joe Lazito. I'm going to keep bringing up that Joe did the, did, the, did, did these rankings. Joe, I'm going to give you some heat here. Oh, what's this in the back of the article? Oh, that's right. They, uh, the youth come, the, the top fighters of tomorrow are slung it out in the AHL by Joe Lazito. Joe, you were all over this magazine. Who does he have for the right? I forgot about this. Sylvan Bluan. Yep. Dennis Bonby. Mike Brown. Oh, there you go. Yep, Brown was one of the toughest players in the Western Hockey League in the last few years. Yep. Joe, you were correct there. Aaron Downey. Yep. Paul Ferone. Well, yeah, there you go. And there, like I said, a lot of guys on my show have talked about Paul Ferone. Vicious guy in the in the uh, in the Western Hockey League wasn't very big, but thunder in his fists. Yeah, there you go. Most people have never heard of Ferone. Slowed by hand injuries in his first two AHL seasons, but he was in Syracuse and uh, very impressive during his time with the Western Hockey League, mostly in Seattle. Um, we'll have plenty of help in Syracuse along with Mike Brown. Yeah, he um, Ferone was legit. Uh, Although, man, there's a lot, I didn't realize it, but then here's a picture of, there's a picture of uh, Darcy Harris in this, or I don't even know if this is Darcy Harris, but it's got it, la- it's got it labeled as Paul, that's not Paul Ferron. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's, Frederick Oduya, there's another guy, um, it was a, a Swedish player actually, 
But uh, I laugh because he was with Kansas City. Yeah, so I know, yeah, Kansas City where he learned a lot about the role from Dean Ewan. Yeah, Joe had to get the Dean Ewan in there. Him and Dean are like best friends. So, yeah, you know Dean was going to get a talk. It had to get some ink, right? But, yeah, that was uh, Kansas City, man. Oh, do you? He was, um, I haven't seen a lot of Freddy stuff. um, But I I have seen, he was legit, though, for sure. Unfortunately, there's another guy. I believe he he was killed in a motorcycle accident, too, unfortunately. But, yeah, tough guy. Francis Lassard, Reed Lowe, Steve McLaren. I'm telling you, you guys can knock Joe. Well, you got Paul Ferone's picture in here, but it's Mark Darcy Harris, and then you have Darcy Harris's picture, and it's Mark Paul Ferone. I'm not saying that was Joe, though. That's who's, who's storyboarding this thing? Dave Morissette, Darcy Harris, Dale Purrington, Jason Schmier, Rob Skurlak, Sean Thornton. Tell you, nobody could say Joe didn't know his stuff. That those are some, that's that's some legit names right there. Joe knew what he was doing, and even the guys like Ferone or uh, Skrillex and stuff that didn't get NHL time. I mean, in terms of their minor league career, they were they were hitters, man. So yeah, Joe uh, was on the mark with those names. Well done, sir. Um, you know, it's and there you go. That it's just a there. That was uh, yeah, that was cool. I shall do that. I like I said, I found a couple of these magazines, and I will. Not, I haven't looked at them. This is the one I was look. Uh, no, this isn't. I did look through the other one with twist on the cover, um, but I didn't pay much attention to the rankings. I was just sort of looking at the pictures and stuff. Um, I will. I will do this. I will get out more of these magazines, and I won't look. I want to be surprised like you guys as we go through them and talk about the rankings. Because I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, Joe was uh, all around those magazines at the time, and that was my introduction to Joe Lazito. Um, was reading that and Stan Fischler's Bad Boys books. Joe contributed to those. So then to all of a sudden he's on the message boards and that's of course, I've told, I've told you guys this before, but that's where I first interacted with Joe and ever since. And, uh, you know, now I'm getting, you know, we talk all the time on here and yeah, it's, uh, how, how, it's amazing how the, uh, I always say how the, um, the internet's made the world so small, right? And, um, yeah. At the time when I first bought this magazine at the ma- at the at the book nook in Saskatoon and went home and all pumped to read it and was showing my, well, I was living with my with uh, a couple of guys in the house down by the university and we were all fight fans and we'd just eat up this magazine and um, and then so fast forward 20, 21 years later here I am um, uh, trading private messages and, and pictures and DVDs with the with the writer it uh, it's funny how you come full circle right. But, uh, yeah, guys, there we go. Uh, it's another Sunday episode for you. Um, yeah, like I said, these are always sort of, uh, uh, kind of just loose shows and, uh, you know, yap away and see what's happening out there. So, I mean, I always say some of it makes sense. Maybe some of it doesn't. I don't know. My show, I'm going to ramble away. I I basically just uh, hit record and lean back in my chair and apparently I got to stop rubbing my hands together you know, sounds like other things. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Chris, I tried not to. I think I did a little bit. I don't know what it is. It must be a nervous, not nervous, but I, yeah, I guess just nervous energy or something. Uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm also playing with an elastic band today, so I'm trying to keep from rubbing my hands together. Um, yeah, I just kind of look out the window and, and yap away. So, uh, you know, so, some days maybe a little more lucid than others, but uh, such as it is. But, uh, yeah, guys, honestly, I have not, to be completely honest, I have not interviewed anybody. 
Um, like I don't have anything in in the can, so uh, I'm not sure what Wednesday's guest is going to be. I've talked to some guys, haven't set any times up, so I'm really hoping to get something done. Obviously, or else I don't know what I'm going to do on Wednesday. But um, yeah, so I'll see. So I can't I can't preview anything for Wednesday's show, but I will say it'll something will be out there. Don't know what, but something will be there on Wednesday. But uh, other than that, guys, I will shut up. We'll get going. Go watch the Super Bowl, or if you're watching this, uh, or if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday. Um, if you hey, if you like the show, like I said, if you're on Twitter, send me a private message. If you're not on social media, um, send me an email, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Hey, just drop me a line. Tell me what you thought, uh, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, like I always say, if you have pictures, I'd, lo- I'd love to see some of the old pictures that you, you might have, or articles, or what have you, or hockey cards. Uh, I'd love to see those. Send me a picture. Uh, and uh, or if you just want to drop a line and say hey, do that. I love talking to people. And uh, if you have an interesting story to tell, wait, we'll maybe get you on the air and we'll and we'll, uh, and we'll talk and we'll talk about it. Like I said, this is your guys' show, right? The People's Podcast. And uh, yeah, I want to uh, I want to talk to all you guys. So definitely get a hold of me. And if you have and if you certainly if you have old video, even if it's on VHS tape, do not throw it away. Go back to your mom's house, blow the dust off it, go find it, and send it to me. I will pay for the postage, whatever, something. We need to preserve that stuff. Now, I'm not saying, oh, no, I taped the Leafs game back in 05. No, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm more of like if you taped, like, junior stuff or old, uh, cable, your local cable game of the week that they used to do in the area, what happened, minor, especially minor league stuff, American League, I, whatever. Get a hold of me. Just tell me what you got. I'd love to hear from you. So hockeyfights at hotmail.com, all lowercase. Um, definitely get a hold of me there. But, and I look forward to hearing from you. But in the meantime, guys, uh, stay safe out there, and we will uh, talk to you on Wednesday. Have a good night. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?